Grab a seat. Thanks, band, and it's good to see everyone here tonight. Grab your Bibles. We're going to open those things up in just a second. I had to, um, I had to endure a meeting with Pastor Elliot this morning. So while I was meeting with him, there's a guy from Compass Tustin. You might have seen his face on the video that we played this last weekend. His name is Mike, and uh, there was a testimony video uh, where Mike told his story, and it's really neat. But anyway, he happened to walk into the coffee shop that Elliot and I were meeting at, and, um, and he goes to introduce me, and Mike's like, oh, I know you. You're Mark Kelly, aren't you? I've seen you on Twitter. Honestly, I think that's the first time that's ever happened to me in my entire life. If you know me, I'm, I'm terrible at things like Twitter, but I got recognized today for being on Twitter, which is really cool. Speaking of Twitter, I posted something a couple days ago, probably the last time I tweeted, and it was a link to an article that was called The State of Theology. So I don't know if you saw that. I don't know if um, you even knew that I'm on Twitter uh, or if you follow me or anything like that, but I posted this link to the article called The State of Theology, and it's basically, it was a survey that Ligonier Ministries put out where every couple years it pulls evangelicals in America and asks these, this set of questions to kind of get a sense of where evangelicalism is at in terms of um, theological questions. And I bring that up because if you were with us on the weekend sermon, it was a really theological sermon, right? It was a Christological, heavy, lot of cross-references sort of sermon. And we have those every once in a while here at Compass Bible Church, and that's a good thing. I think it's a good thing when we have a theology-heavy sermon. And that's confirmed when we look at some of the results of this poll. I put some on the screen for you, so I think I have four of these uh, for you, and there, there's more that's on the website if you go there. Uh, yeah, there we go. So the upper left, everyone sins a little, but most people are good by nature. So on the right side, you have people who, who are professing evangelical uh, Christians who answered that question, yes. I agree, either somewhat or strongly agree that everyone sins a little, but most people are good by nature. And the other side, it's kind of polarized here, the other side disagrees. So um, over half responded that yes, people aren't necessarily born, it doesn't say this, but the implication is people don't think that uh, we're born guilty and sinful and separated from God needing to be saved, but that we maybe fall into that throughout life, that there's a, there's a major theological problem there. If you've been around Compass, hopefully you've heard um, w- when we open up the Bibles and we, we see the fall in Genesis 3 and we, we learn about original sin, that we, we inherit this sinful nature and we need to be, uh, we're in a position from childhood, from birth of needing to be saved, needing to be redeemed, being guilty and um, none is righteous, no, not one in and of ourselves. That's why we need Christ. So anyway, that, that's an interesting finding, right? Go to the next one. God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. And so you have a lot that agree. And there's actually in 2018 and 2016, 
uh, it's gone up since 2016 from 49% agreeing to now 51% agreeing with the claim. It's pretty interesting. And, I, you know, it's like, who, who are the people that are answering these questions? I'm not totally sure. Uh, we don't know, but go on to the next one. There is one true God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we nailed this one, right? 97% agree and three disagree. So a Trinitarian question. And it's like, yeah, that, that sounds right. One God, three persons. So that's good. And the last one is the worst of all. Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God. 71, uh, 78% agree with the claim that Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God. Maybe people were just clicked too fast because they saw first and greatest and they didn't read the rest of the sentence which says created by God. <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty big uh, problem. In fact, it was such a big problem that in A.D. 325, there was a huge council, the Nicene Council, and a guy named Arius, who was pushing this, these sort of concepts, was condemned as a heretic, and that statement was considered heresy. And here we are today in 2018, and 78% at least of the people polled answered, um, I strongly agree with that, or I somewhat agree. I don't think it's a problem for us here, when, when we come to church and there's theology-heavy sermons, I think we need to be really, really careful when we study our Bibles. I'm not suggesting that everyone needs to get advanced degrees in theology, but what I am suggesting is we need to be careful and study carefully, especially the claims about Jesus. And maybe we're going through that list and you're thinking, I don't know what I would answer to those questions, or, you know, I'm, I was maybe on the wrong side of all those answers, and... I, Good. I'm glad that you're coming to church. This is right where we should be. We need to all come and learn about what the Bible says because we don't just know it from birth. So we all need to be consistently coming to church and listening careful, carefully to the sermons and putting our uh, eyes on the text of God's word and doing the best we can to understand what he's said. And maybe others of you, you know, I put those questions up there and you're like, well, the answer's obvious and um, you, you didn't struggle with any of those questions at all. And I think that's, that's great. Regardless of how much or how little you might struggle with some of those questions, uh, let's take some time and think carefully about what the Bible says about Jesus. That's what we got the chance to do this last weekend at church, and that's what I want to do tonight, briefly, and then in your groups, discuss the questions that are on the back of the worksheet. It's time well spent. It's important to study what the Bible says about Jesus. So there was two points, or three points from the sermon. I'm basically just going to talk about the first two. The first was to affirm Jesus is the Christ. From our text in Luke chapter 22, Jesus makes a claim to be the Christ, and this is an important uh, point for us to affirm. Jesus, the historical person, Jesus, claims to be the Christ. The Bible says he's the Christ. The disciples after him say he's the Christ. 
and we ought to affirm that as well. And in John chapter 20, it ends, basically John ends his gospel by saying this, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And so there at the end of John, you have the author saying, basically the, the bottom line, what, you know, the reason I wrote this book is so that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ. So if you want to start studying Christology more, you could read the Gospel of John to go for an original document here and learn what John wants us to understand about Jesus being the Christ. The, the signs he performed um, and <clears throat> the way John tells the story is designed to uh, show us that Jesus is the Christ. Then... The second point from the weekend is it's not enough to just know or affirm that Jesus is the Christ. There, there's more that ought to be involved, and that is to actually honor him as God. Honor Christ as God. That was the second point from the weekend. We can't stop at just knowing the accurate points of theology or about Jesus. That ought to have an effect on the way, on what we honor, how we spend our time, what's important to us. And so the next step in the process here is to honor him and recognize him as the Christ who is God, the Trinity. So in the Gospel of John, going back to chapter 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and this is a reference to Christ. We know from verse 13 of chapter 1, the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So Jesus wasn't made. Jesus wasn't created. He, the text affirms, is God and created everything. So he's certainly not a created being himself, not the first and greatest created person. So we need to honor him as God. And so just with those two points up there, I want to ask you and, and challenge you a little bit on that. Do you affirm the truth about Jesus? Do you know what the Bible says about Jesus, who he is, what he did, why that matters? And do you honor him appropriately? Have you really heard and seen this truth about Jesus in the Bible and responded to it with, with a real affirmation and real honor? Have you affirmed Jesus as the Christ to the extent that you've surrendered your life to him you've bowed your knee before christ and said you're you're the lord i'm not you're the boss i'm not i need you i'm guilty i don't just have a little bit of sin on my account i have a lot of sin on my account and i can't do anything to fix it on my own 
I need you. And put your trust in Christ, the finished work of Christ on the cross. Have you affirmed Jesus as the Christ in that sense? Asking him to forgive, to cleanse, to be made right with God. I was in the hospital today, this afternoon, with a husband and two boys who were saying bye to their mom. They was my age, and um, I didn't know the guy. Uh, asked to go and uh, represent the pastors of his church in Ohio, who we just so happened to know and be friends with. And I went there on behalf of a friend who's in Ohio and just spent time with this man who was... Um, crying to say bye to his wife and his two boys, eight and ten, were there. Uh, heads buried on mom who's laying there on the hospital bed. I mean, just really sad, really sad. And at one point he asked me, and he just said, um, are you married? I said, yeah. And he said, don't ever leave the house without telling your wife that you love her. And because you don't know if it's going to be the last time. And for him, he can think of the specific last time that he said bye to his wife. And he wasn't, he just so happened to not be happy with the way he did it in this instance. And um, I think that's a, a, a sober reminder for all of us to cherish the time we do have with our spouse and to communicate love while we have the opportunity. But I bring that up because more significant is the need for you to communicate your love for Christ. It's important for us to communicate our love toward a spouse, absolutely. But I, I want every single one of us in here tonight to not say goodbye um, to the Lord without communicating this sort of affirmation and honor. So I hope we look at these texts and we hear this sermon on the weekend, we think about these concepts tonight, and our first response is personally, individually, I need to communicate to the Lord in my mind, with my words, with my heart, with my actions, that I love him. And when we say him, we know who we're talking about. And I think that's, at the most fundamental level, how we need to think through this text. There's another sense in which we need to think through it. And it's important for us to apply these points individually and personally. But it's also a good thing for us tonight to pause and consider how we maybe apply these points relationally within a marriage. And so here we are in our marriage ministry talking about, oh wait, don't go there yet. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I have a question for you that's going to ask you this kind of stuff. Um, individually, personally, I need to affirm and I need to honor. But 
let's not only apply this text individually and personally. Let's also apply it within our marriages, okay? Because I think there's ways for us to affirm that Jesus is the Christ with our spouse. And we ought to do that. We ought to be a, a married couple. But my wife and I ought to be a married couple who affirm that Jesus is the Christ. We affirm that to each other. We affirm that to our kids. We affirm that to our uh, extended family. We affirm that to our neighbors. We are proclaiming the truth about Jesus. And we're ready to talk about the Christ and open up scripture and understand him as best we can. And as a married couple, I also want for us to honor him as God together. Individually, I got to do that, yes, but I think there's ways for us to do that together as well. So how can we, as a married couple, honor Jesus as God? What are ways that our family can spend its time and make its choices that reflect a love and appreciation and a true honor for Jesus as God. I think the word honor just means to think highly of, to lift up, to respect. Um, and so do we, do we do that in our family? Do our kids see us honoring Christ as Lord? Do they see us worship? I think worship is maybe a good word to explain honor. It's really hard to explain honor. I don't know. But worship, ascribing worth to someone, I think is one of the ways we give honor. Do our, do our kids see us worshiping Jesus as God? Do our neighbors see us worshiping as our, um, Jesus as God? Do we as a family obey Jesus as God? Do we make family decisions, marriage decisions, because Jesus is God and I'm not. Do we demonstrate this sort of honor to the neighbors around us and to the watching world, to the people on the sports teams and beyond? I think there's a layer to this, and maybe, maybe you already went there in your mind, but when I heard the sermon, I immediately just thought individually and personally, and then I was thinking through like, man, taking this theologically dense sermon and talking about it with Thrive, what, what should we talk about? And I thought, man, we'd be, we'd be missing something if we only applied this individually and not also within our marriages. So I have a question for you, if you want to draw your attention to the screen. Uh, the question is, when you heard the sermon, did you apply to yourself only, or did you consider how it should also be fleshed out in a marriage um, how, you don't necessarily have to answer that, that's just the preface. How does the partnership of a spouse help or encourage better application of these concepts? Do you think maybe you could honor Christ better as a team, as a married couple? Do you think you could uh, um, affirm and acknowledge the truth about him uh, better, having someone who's there at your side? And what are the ways, what are the ways that you can do that? So I'm done talking, I'll pray and you can go. Thank you, Lord, for this time to talk about these important truths. Help us, God, to have clarity and to work hard to understand what you've said to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.